Hello and welcome to You Need to See This, an every other weekly film podcast about filling the gaps in our collective cinematic experience. I'm Cozy Orlin, and I'm joined by my co-host... Bree Jones! Hello! Awesome! Hey Bree, how's it going? Hi, hi, I'm good, 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 good. How are you? Oh, doing well. Everything feels very chill and nice and easy this week, which is great. Love that. Oh, Hopefully, a- uh, yeah, calm before the storm or just <laughs> just enjoying the calm. <laughs> I think that is it. I think it's calm before the storm of like, I have, I have shows every, th- I have three shows every third week of the month. So right now, like, I feel like I've got a little bit of time between and I'm like, just barely getting ready for things. And I'm like, okay, all right, things are almost figured out. Uh, and I don't have to promote yet and all that stuff. So uh, the closer it gets to those third weeks, the more things get insane. <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah, at least you always know that there's this period of calm to look forward to once that's all over. It's so it's true. Oh, yeah. It's, ni- it's nice to feel like I have a better sort of track of my own uh, anxiety, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have, a, you have your anxieties. It's all mapped out on a calendar, kind of. <laughs> oh, so controllable. I love it. Yes. So much better that way. Uh, we are Love controllable com- anxiety. It's true. It's the best kind. We're comedians. We're writers. We're filmmakers. And we're writers. Every episode, one <laughs> of us tries to convince the other writer and the audience that they need to see a specific film that has been written. And we do it all with no spoilers. <laughs> Yeah, no spoilers. And I love that. Uh, Was it our last episode where we were double comedians or one of the last (laughs) episodes? And now we're double writers. That is correct. I am. I really was thinking, should I do a filmmaker movie next? But we've done. I think filmmakers has been done a lot on this one. So I'm glad to do a writer's one. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the last one with our, our last guest was a film about filmmaking. That's very true. It yeah. makes a lot of sense. We are we are suckers for our crafts. Yep, we and sure are. Representations of them in media. For better or for worse. Yeah, I know. Goods and bads. We all want to feel seen in creating things that make other people and ourselves feel seen. <laughs> yes, we love feeling seen. See me. All the time. Oh, it's what we got to do. Um, but before we start talking about this movie today, we have a We Saw It, I believe. Yeah, we do. Um, I watched Sunshine Cleaning. Whoa, awesome. Yes. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, um, it was really, it was so weird because like, <laughs> I recognized so much of the the, the streets kind of, or just like the, the, I knew like parts of Albuquerque that were being filmed in. Holy shit. And that's I was amazing. Like, hey. And it was, yeah, there was like a lot of weird, I felt a lot of like parallels to this movie because, you know, I recently, my mom passed away a few months ago. Right. Um, and the dynamic between Amy Adams and Emily Blunt being sisters, uh, I was like, I felt like their relationship was kind of like similar to mine and my sisters. Wow. Um, oh my, which one are you? <laughs> I'm Amy Adams, I think. Uh, amazing. I mean, minus like, yeah, minus the whole. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't want to spoil, but yeah, minus the whole high school uh, boyfriend sort of situation that's yeah, going on there. Oh. Uh, but my my sister is very much like, yeah, uh, very much the Emily Blunt character kind of like. I always felt like I had to like take care of my sister, and my sister was always kind of like messing up and and getting into into situations, and kind of like she cycles through jobs, which I felt like you know Emily Blunt's character 
had done a lot before. Like, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I felt a lot of like similarities there. Um, but yeah, I liked it. I felt uh, there was some parts I felt like the only my only thing is, is like, I, I really like there were certain moments that really got me. But for some reason, I felt like there was just something missing that like, I couldn't fully like emotionally invest. Interesting. And, I think that's very fair. Yeah, it was it almost felt like there was like, in my initial thought was that like, this would almost work as a like a series to me more than a movie yeah i think that's a great call yeah because it's like they the 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 whole cleaning business thing it like opens up this whole thing of of like you know where could this go especially the way the way that it ends um right but it like touched on grief and like in in great ways sometimes and then other ways i felt like they would like sort of try to fit in this like backstory of like the mom passing away with like yeah. these flashbacks that kind of felt like they didn't quite fit in the spots that they were in. Interesting. Okay. Um, but overall I thought it was like a really interesting premise. I liked that uh, Alan Arkin basically kind of plays like the same <laughs> sort of character he does in little miss sunshine. <laughs> oh, what a delight. <laughs> yeah. And he's great. Um, the little kid's great too. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. What a cute kid. He's very cute. Uh yeah, I think I definitely like yeah, I think my favorite part about the movie though, like honestly the performances were like the and the casting was just so good. Oh, absolutely. And I did love the little like side story of um of Emily like with that with the woman that like was the daughter of that uh the person from the the first scene that they're cleaning up yeah yeah emily ricegub yes um i thought that was an interesting sort of way for her to like process her like like she's kind of like i liked how i mean she came across as sort of like a morbid kind of character like she's like really like morbidly curious about these people's lives but also like it's her own way of like kind of dealing with her trauma nailed it yeah um so there were definitely a lot of great moments and gross moments with the, the crime scene cleanup the maggots uh i definitely went out loud to nobody uh, so yeah overall i thought it was it was really it was good to watch and i felt like yeah there was definitely a lot of like good um good good thoughts on on grief and just sort of dealing with that and just like kind of being messed up and like not really having direction and figuring it out and I felt like that was pretty relatable. Oh, that's the best. Yes. Uh, I liked it. I definitely oh, am glad I watched it. I'm very glad to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like a good time. I was like, okay, I gave this enough time. I don't know if it would have hit me differently. Like had I watched it like, you know, pretty quickly after my mom died, but right. it felt like I was like, okay, yeah. And it's like, it's, it's good to, it's like it was a good confirmation of like, yeah, it's funny to think that there's like business and death because it's like everyone goes through this at some point in their lives and like mm. they went through it themselves. And uh, yeah, the the scene with the old woman where she just like sits outside with her oh. um, after her husband passes away, I was like, oh, that moment, that moment got me. Yeah, that was that like probably was my. Yeah, that was like the sweetest, like the most mm. like heartfelt moment that I uh that I saw in the movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was really nice when they went into that, uh, that emotional place. Yes. Uh, but it was good. It was, uh, yeah, it was funny in like the right moments and, uh, and heartfelt. 
Fantastic. Oh, very glad to hear that. Um, all right. Well, are we ready to talk about this uh, today's film? Sure. Great, because I got one. Um, today's film is 2002's hilarious and sad meta comedy adaptation. And Brie, you need to see this. Ooh, okay. Excellent. Uh, the synopsis is weird. It's going to be difficult. Let's see how this goes. Okay. This is going to be fun. Okay. So this one, uh, I just truly wrote from scratch because I saw it the other day with a bunch of people and it was a delight. Um, Ooh, you did a group watch. That's even more fun. It was, yeah, it was, uh, uh, nice when I get to do things like that. And I hadn't seen it in so long before that. Um, but yeah, this ended up perfectly working out so well. So, uh, synopsis of adaptation so screenwriter of this movie charlie kaufman (laughs) meta (laughs) yep already yep perfect he has been tasked to write an adaptation of a book called the orchid thief which this movie sort of is um Hmm. he's such a neurotic and depressed artist that he overthinks every part of it and of his life uh, meanwhile, his chill, fun twin brother, Donald Kaufman, also screenwriter of this movie, <laughs> is living with Charlie and decides to also become a screenwriter. But his movie script is a hack psychological thriller. <laughs> okay. So this movie is about the process of writing that adaptation and also about the, 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 uh, the book that it is being adapted to which are from which is in itself a story on somebody's life that I believe was adapted from a New York Times piece. <laughs> huh. Okay, and then so and so the the characters are like the actual writers of this movie or like the names? Uh yeah, yes. Um basically. Uh yeah, the the character And there's twins, the yes. brother. Yeah, and that's and that's the the weird part is that um, it was written by, th- this movie was written by Charlie Kaufman, uh, who wrote being, uh, John Malkovich, Human Nature, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Eternal Sunshine, Anomalisa, huh. other things. Uh, and it was also written by Donald Kaufman, who is not a real person and does not exist. What? <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> it sounded like glass Wait, this movie was written by, This movie was written by... Or all these movies were written by a person that doesn't exist. They were all written by Charlie Kaufman, but not also this other person. Correct. That's not real. Yeah. Charlie Kaufman is the one who does exist, and he is in this movie and wrote all those other ones. Donald Kaufman also wrote this movie and is in this movie, but does not exist and is not a real person. (laughs) Ah, okay. Wow. Yep. (laughs) Very meta. Very strange. Um the movie is sort of an adaptation of the book, the orchid thief by Susan Orlean. Um, and it's directed by Spike Jones, director of skateboarding videos, Weezer's buddy, Mm -hmm. Holly music video, the video for the beastie boy sabotage being John Malkovich, her other Mm. things, lots of things. Yes. Big fan of, uh, being John Malkovich and her, perfect because probably those music videos too but i don't know if i when i saw them last so who knows i'm sure they're good yeah it's been a while for me too i remember good things about them but it's been such a long time and they're all sort of weird fuzzy classics in my brain 
Uh, right. I'm, I trust people who film skate videos, though. I feel like they've got a good aesthetic for and music taste, usually. Same. They put the work in. They they do it for the love. It's nice to see. Like after mm-hmm. making movies, he just went back to making music videos for a pretty long time, it looks like. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. And like shorts and random stuff. Yeah, it's cool to see. I want him to do more movies again, but I get it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I loved her same so good and i'm glad yeah. that i'm glad you were a fan of uh of being john Mal- malkovich because that movie is at, in parts in this movie wow okay yeah and that one was also a little confusing too yes that one was super weird and strange and confusing uh yeah mm-hmm. Catherine keener's in this movie um uh <laughs> for like a little bit uh malkovich is in this for like a little bit yeah it's it's part of this movie takes place during the filming of that movie Wow. Okay, wow. So it's, yeah, there's like a whole universe. <laughs> it's crazy. It's truly insane. But um, yeah, it's it's a lot to figure out, but uh, a lot of fun. Um, would you like to know who it's starring? Sure. Great, because I have that information on hand. Awesome. <laughs> um, Adaptation starts, stars Nicolas Cage as Charlie Kaufman. Nicholas Cage as Donald Kaufman. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. Plays two characters. Very, very perfect already. Uh, Meryl Streep is playing the author Susan Orlean. Okay. Uh, a last name that is very close to mine, and a lot of people have thought my name is, but it's not pronounced that way. So. Oh. Spe- yeah. it's, all, it's just an, add an A, right? That's yeah, it. Yeah. It adds the A. And people always assume that my name, even though it has no A, they're like, cozy orlean and i'm like no but i get it wrong yeah good try this one also stars chris cooper as john laroche the subject of susan orlean's book there's also kara seymour uh tilda swinton as the person hiring charlie kaufman to write the adaptation uh judy greer uh maggie gyllenhaal oh wow (laughs) ron livingston (laughs) Jeez. As Charlie Kaufman's actual agent. He's playing his agent in it. Uh, and Brian Cox as screenwriting teacher Robert McKee. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a big cast. It's a very big kid cast. I really like this cast a lot. Doug Jones is in there somewhere, I think, too. Um, and just honestly, yeah, Nicolas Cage playing two characters is already like... <laughs> I'm like that's gonna be fun to watch. Oh boy, yes. Oh, and they are they are very fun to watch. <laughs> um, oh, it's a good time. It's that it's that trope where you don't see it very often, and you hope that they do it right when they do it. Yeah. There's so many perfect colossal failure examples of that, and then you get a movie like this, and you're like, okay, we'll see what happens. They pulled it off. They yeah. pulled it off. Uh, and I saw this movie in theaters. Surprise, surprise. Uh, after seeing Being John Malkovich, like, there was no way in hell I wasn't seeing every fucking movie from Charlie Kaufman and Spike Jones forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'd also seen Human Nature from Charlie Kaufman, and after that one, I was also set on seeing everything from Michael Gondry, uh, Michelle Gondry and Charlie Kaufman forever, which is why I ate up Eternal Sunshine and loved it forever. Okay, yeah, I have not seen that. I've seen Eternal Sunshine, and that's, like, one of the one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Eternal. Yeah. Eternal sunshine. Oh, the I've, I've grown to the point where I don't like the toxicity of that relationship, but I do love everything else about that movie. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I, I feel like I probably would have different perspective watching it now. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm sure. But, I saw it pretty recently and I was like, oh, okay. Right. I think uh, definitely when I was a teenager before having been in any relationship, I was like, that's the dream. Of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. They, they, yeah it's like the, 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 I love them so much, but then I also hate them. So I'm erasing them from my memory. Yeah. But then I miss them. <laughs> and then finding them again and not, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. There's so much, there's so, rom- so much romance and toxicity to those, to that movie. Um, right. Yeah. Human nature. You said you hadn't seen human nature, correct? No, I have not. Uh, human nature um, involves Tim. Uh, I think Tim Robbins is a scientist uh, and he finds like sort of a, a missing link slash sort of man who, who, like lived in the wild or from the jungle and just didn't know English and all this stuff. And he was played by Reese Ifans and he like studies him in a lab and there are this tiny silverware for mice. And it's a very weird, fun movie. Um, not, not as good as the others, but pretty, pretty strange too. It's also the first date I had with my ex-wife. So there are a lot of emotions attached to that one. <laughs> Oh wow, yeah, that's it's got some personal ties. Yeah, I was at what junior in high school at that point. Um yeah, it's strange. But anyway, yes, um I saw adaptation in theaters I, and I was like, "Damn it, Charlie Coffin, you did it again, you motherfucker." Oh god. And I just I loved it ever since. <laughs> Yay. Amazing. Yeah, he's got some great great ones under his belt. He really does. Oh. So much good stuff. I'm so happy about that. Yeah, what are your what are your first impressions so far? Um, I mean, it sounds fun. It's kind of hard to say because I mean, I I, I like the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I love meta stuff, so nice. I am pretty on board for that. Perfect. Um, and yeah, I'm honestly just like really intrigued to see Nicolas Cage playing two people. <laughs> <laughs> And seeing how like how different he makes them, and yeah, like I, because I, I just you know, it's Nicolas Cage is just kind of like insanity in 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 an actor, and I love to see it. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's good to hear. That sounds like you're in a good place for it, then. <laughs> yeah, it sounds. Fu- I mean, yeah, like initially, like hearing the premise, it sounds funny. Like it's a seems like a funny premise that has like a lot of like layers to it, and I'm curious how the book. Like, I'm a little confused by the book sort of thing like yeah, i don't know exactly how that plays into it but as, yeah as well you should be <laughs> yeah so and then hmm. and this yeah. is a real book not a real book right you said it's, it's based off of a new york i believe piece. this is a real book yeah this oh. this is a real book that that charlie kaufman the actual charlie kaufman was actually asked to um to adapt and this is the adaptation of that book <laughs> got it oh wow okay <laughs> Yeah, so I'm, I'm yeah, okay. I'm I'm finally I think I'm finally wrapping my head around that part of it. Okay. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it's it's a lot. There's a lot I, going I on. Like you're, you're exactly <laughs> where you should be with all of it where it's 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 such a so much stuff and it's a very impressive ju- uh, juggle. But um we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I saw tra- I feel like I've seen a trailer for this. Oh, I'm sure. But- I'm like trying to, I was like, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, how do you even like get all of this information into, into a tight synopsis and trailer? Yeah, it's, it's impressive. Uh, when you see something like that, it's, I think they did a pretty good job, but it definitely seems like it took a lot of work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I've got five reasons about it. If you would like to hear them. <laughs> 
I would love to. Wonderful. Uh, the first reason why I think that you and the audience should check out Adaptation is that it's hilarious and honest. <laughs> it never Okay. Yeah, it never feels like a jokey movie, just like good, grounded, funny arts. Okay, that's great. Yeah, I, I was happy about that, because you never know. But with Kaufman, it's always going to be, oh, it's always going to be good. Yeah, yeah. Sells it, like, naturally. Oh, fully, fully Jokes that don't feel forced in. Yeah, no, and it's truly just such a funny, it's a funny situation rather than funny lines, and then the lines come out funny because of the situation or whatever. Right, and that's how, yeah, that's, like, that's how you know you're good, your writing is good, because it's, like, that's how it should be. It's, like, premise, like, the, the situation should be funny, and that's, like, really, like, the I always, I mean, I feel like I've heard that a lot in just, you know, writing classes, but it's, like, make the, the situation funny, and then, like, the dialogue kind of comes naturally from that. Yeah, that's the dream. It's not just, like, quippy and all that. It has, it, it's just sort of situationally funny. No one's pointing to things. It's just sort of existing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the second reason why I think people need to see this is that Charlie Kaufman's anxiety and depression and negative self-talk voiceover are really just painful and relatable. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was another part when you when you mentioned uh, that. I was like, that's super relatable for anyone who's ever created anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's my next reason, actually. So that's perfect. Um, yeah, like, but his, his negative self-talk focuses on like his love life, his career, his body image, imposter syndrome, just all that stuff. Right. And, uh, and you said that, so a lot of this is like, it's vo like voiceover, like we're hearing like the thoughts yeah, that are like, in his head. It's like negative self-talk voiceover as opposed to like pure, like narration voiceover. Okay. So it's truly not for the audience at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which is something just that is touched upon in this movie. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot going on in this, but I love it. Um, oh, good. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, my next reason, uh, anyone out there who's a screenwriter and any kind of artist will find a lot to love in this movie. It's just like artistic frustration on multiple levels. It's it's like discussion of the craft. It's all there. Yeah, love to love that, and I love to see. Yeah, like when you're somebody uh, who's spent a lot of time getting frustrated creating things, and then you see that representation in a film. It's like, okay, this isn't just me. Like it's normal to to have these thoughts. So good to get that confirmation yeah, we <laughs> from Nicholas Cage of all people. We get to feel seen. There it is. We get to feel seen. <laughs> Um, yes. Uh, my next reason is that, uh, the cast is a delight, just fully a delight. Uh, getting to watch Tilda Swinton and Judy Greer and Maggie Gyllenhaal in the same movie is not a gift that we deserve as a species. Yeah, that's great. That's a lot of, a lot of great, uh, cast there. I'm oh. imagining their parts are, I mean, like, the thing is, is like, this movie feels like so much and I'm like, how they've got to be like small parts, right? Or are yes. they all pretty like, okay. Yeah, they're all pretty small parts. The majority of it is definitely very focused on him um, and then focused on like the process of Susan Orlean writing the book. So it's like a lot of Meryl Streep and, um, okay. and Chris Cooper, like in vans talking about orchids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's very, it's very strange. <laughs> 
Yeah, it sounds strange and confusing, but also not con- not not as confusing as it was when I when you first read the synopsis to me. I'm like slowly piecing it together, and That's I could see. Yeah, I'm. I feel I feel like the the meta kind of confusion of this like only makes me want to try to watch it and figure out what what the hell is going on in this (laughs) that's perfect yeah i think in terms of the structure like and this is this is my fifth reason on here too is just like on a structural level there's so much going on that it's impressive but it's also juggled so well that it works like Hmm. there are sections about like charlie there are sections about susan now and susan when she was writing the book then there are like fantasy sequences there are meta there's like meta discussion about adaptations and movies and also this movie that you're watching. <laughs> it's sort wow. of like that latest Nicolas Cage movie, you know, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah. It yeah, in terms of like some of its meta-ness and commentary, but but adaptation feels much smarter and more emotional and grounded. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I haven't seen that yet, but Oh um... gotcha. Yeah. That one that one's dumb fun and still somehow does a good job of like being meta but this Mm -hmm. one is not dumb and not fun but amazing and deeper and even more meta somehow despite that one being about Nicolas Cage oh man so Nicolas Cage has done a lot of meta stuff apparently (laughs) Uh, you know what the weird thing is that that movie that movie is sort of a meta commentary on his career and so the fact that it in includes a meta commentary on itself is in itself a reference to this movie <laughs> wow okay yeah, yeah it's my, a puzzle <laughs> my mind is being is being blown apart right now <laughs> uh, uh yeah i i read that this movie spent a year and a half in editing <laughs> that yeah that's it sounds like a, a lot to squeeze in uh i imagine <laughs> like a longer runtime too like i was like this movie's gotta be like over two hours i would think uh, you know, I don't actually remember how long it was, but it didn't feel too long. And this was like 2002, so it wasn't like back when, um, when it was when movies were crazy and long and awful. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Uh, this one runtime on this one, I think I can immediately find that info. But if I can't, that's cool too. Uh, yes, I bet it's right at the bottom of imdb that i'm on currently up oh, one hour 55 yeah so oh. it's, got some, it's got some health some heft to it yeah not too bad though yeah not terrible and and it never feels like anything at all and it is too long just because the pacing itself is like patient yeah uh i am curious about like the brother dynamic like the two screenwriters thing like that is still like something that i'm like kind of confused by or like how much of oh yeah of a role I can does the brother play in this should i give you some more info on that i can definitely do that sure yeah i'm just because i feel like he kind of like it's like oh yeah and there's a brother who's also trying to be a, or wants to be a screenwriter and then i'm like oh but what happens to him right yeah it's um yeah so so donald kaufman the brother is um the twin brother specifically <laughs> um uh he's staying with charlie kaufman in his in his apartment or house or whatever because he's like having a down and out patch and okay he's like watching him work on this adaptation and he gets this thing of like maybe i should be a screenwriter too but he's kind of a lunkhead he's a little bit of a dummy um <laughs> it's not it's not over the top but he's like you can tell because he calls him bro and 
Mm. Charlie Kaufman would never say the word bro. <laughs> right. So he's a like, he does better with women and he seems more like chill and like he doesn't overthink anything and doesn't have anxiety and negative self-talk constantly in it. Okay. So he's sort of in some ways like, he's like the the person that he would like to be, but also the person that he hates as a as an artist, you know? Yeah, it's like, it's like the confidence and the cool, calm, collected sort of like living in the moment feeling that his brother has. It's like, oh, everyone wants that. But it's almost that negative self-talk that seems to fuel artists anyway, because that's how we get, that's how we make our, we, we improve and get better. Because exactly. we're always like, ah, yeah. I'm no good. <laughs> <laughs> it's that interiority mixed with that criticalness where you're like, I'm going to turn all this inwards. Got it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, and then that way you set yourself up for like, yeah, you can handle all the criticism by just criticizing yourself so harshly that <laughs> no one can hurt you. <laughs> you built that armor because you know all your flaws. Yes, because I've already, yeah, I've already uh, just gone gone at myself with the, with the dagger multiple <laughs> times, an emotional <laughs> dagger. Oh, yeah. I got to a point where I... Um, figured out how to pull all the emotion out of the dagger. And mm. so now it's truly just like, this is a problem. These are all the problems that I have with me. I'm just going to fix those. Cool. Great. Now I know what they are and I can deal with fixing them, but there's no like regret or like shame or anger or frustration at myself related to those flaws. It's just like clean. Uh that's great. Yeah. So you just like, yeah, you address it. You're, you, you kind of like look at it from a distance and you're able to like sort of to, to, to tackle it without, uh, without all the, the baggage attached. <laughs> yeah. Because the baggage actually slows you down when it comes to fighting that stuff. It's like, it's a way to hide from those changes is being like, well, I can feel terrible about this. I'm very comfortable with feeling terrible. I've done that for a long time, but I was like, Oh, that's just another level of procrastination that I've been doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's something I definitely have struggled with for sure. It's, it's hard. Like, yeah. It's, so it's easy to like to, to fester in the, in the like misery of like, of being like, yeah, of the negative self-talk or being like, uh, <laughs> like it's easy to be, I'm no good. And yeah, this There's is a safety to it. It is. And it is, it is kind of like almost like a, yeah, not an excuse, but a means to procrastinate. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast or not, but in middle school, I was put on a on like a, a group, you know, those little class project groups. Um, I was mm -hmm. put on a little class project group where we only had like a certain amount of class of time in class to get it done. And, you know, you have those feelings of just like, oh, are these people the type who do things? Are they the type who are kind of lazy and I'm going to have to do everything? Like, what, are, what is yeah. this dynamic going to be? I didn't choose these people. And I was put on it with a guy named Evan Feldhausen. And I, I remember really specifically that we very quickly got into an argument about something. Uh, and he was, like, disagreeing with me or everybody or something. And I, real, I realized in it, I was like, all this time that we're arguing is time that we should be spending, like, fixing the problem and doing everything. And if we just spend this whole time arguing then nothing will get done and i realized that that's something i took to heart for myself mm -hmm. so anytime i argue with myself is that moment where i reflect that i'm like oh god 
I'm only I'm wasting all of my time arguing with myself. I could just agree with things and move forward. <laughs> oh yeah, that's in, that's interesting. That's awesome that you were able to like take something from that because <laughs> yeah, it's easy to 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 just to just duel with yourself in your head and then just like constantly like convince. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I get in arguments with myself all the time where it's like, just do it. Like, just do the thing you've been been meaning to do. And then being like, no, but like, if it's not like, if you do it now, it's not going to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, it's not worth doing. And then I'm like, yeah, but you have to just start it. And you'll never know if it's even going to be good. And nothing's perfect anyway. Right. And I'll just like, yeah. And then I exhaust myself. And then at the end of it, I'm like, you know what? I'll start tomorrow. (laughs) Fresh. Those we go to bed. Traps. I go to bed angry with myself. Of course, those are the traps we set. Those are the traps we set, and it's just like so much emotional energy that we don't really need to be doing. But like, we're the people who create our own emotions, so it's on us in the end anyway. Mm-hmm. Every time I like try to decide if I want to go do something that I'm not sure will be worth it or not, I'm just like this negative self talk and like the voice in my head. I just turn it off very like immediately and very at this point very quickly, but it used to take a while. And I'm just like, just put on your shoes. Don't think about if this is worth it or not, because it doesn't matter if it's not. What matters is that you successfully put on your shoes and are trying. Yes. Yeah. I've gotten better about that kind of stuff. Like even just, it's like, yeah, trying not to let the the self-talk sort of like, I don't want, yeah, I don't want to talk myself out of doing things that I, for like, that I really wanted to do at some point. It's like, I'm letting that little, uh, insecure Brie kind of like take the reins sometimes and then and then I have to I have to shut it off because I, I mean I do the same thing even when I'm like there's like little things where I'll like I'll have like a talk with myself in my head like I hate waking up early oh, sure. but I wake up early to like get you know uh I'll I usually like to write in the mornings uh and I love to sleep though and so my my brain is like no like you should just yeah just sleep a little bit longer it's fine and and i'll have this like argument in my head and instead of like just getting up and and actually just like waking up when my alarm goes off i'm just like hitting snooze 10 times which is never good (laughs) it's like i'm not catching up on sleep by like waking up every 10 minutes to go turn off my alarm clock like yeah the quality only makes it worse (laughs) exactly and i'm like what am i doing like just you could get up once and then it's over and then it's fine it's like don't let my don't let my brain take over uh, the anxiety of like well you know it's you, you need a little bit more sleep because and it's it's just procrastination it's me not wanting to do the things i need to do because i'm just like a perfectionist and <laughs> oh uh, so relatable yeah yeah perfectionism is for sure a big big problem it's so tough yeah i i i'm i'm glad that both of us have made the strides that we have in that stuff because god it's fucking it's such a it's such a slog because it involves so much avoiding it (laughs) yeah and it's really not bad once you do it it's really like it's like it's just like anything i you know it's i felt like the rule of like do something for five minutes and like if you're if you hate it that much then you can always quit but at least like try it like just start it yeah and then you're usually fine and in the end like the best thing about it is that Excuse me. Um, the best thing that I've experienced about it is that um, figuring out how to beat perfection is, in the end, letting go. And letting go is really hard, but the moment you've done it, everything else is so easy. Because <laughs> there's no yeah. fighting internally anymore. It's just you've let go. There's no emotional like energy. 
and the only thing that you do at that point is you just do stuff and you're like well this is easy i'm not fighting with myself for being angry at myself or like there's no there's no myself involved there's just doing stuff <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like there's a time and a place for like the negative self-talk like maybe when you go back to like edit something and you can be a little bit like but even and then, even then it still should be negative it should yeah. be like encouraging and like and like okay i see you know I, I was going for something here and like i tried it and i took a risk and maybe it's not working anymore yeah or That's there's nice. something exciting about finding stuff that doesn't work because then you're like great i can fix it now yeah i the yeah. more emotion i cut out of it even positive emotion i was just like i don't even need this part <laughs> yeah it's so funny. Emotion's always been like, emotion, as soon as I realized it was kind of a little bit of a block towards, uh, against stuff, I was like, ah, I don't need that. That's going away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's hard to be able to, to have that on and off switch, but I think yeah. it is kind of like, it's essential when you are like trying to create work. Because if not, that critic inside is going to be like, you're no good. <laughs> Yeah. Why don't you just true. stop? Oh God, the 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 er, the opening lines of this movie are just all negative self talk, and it's immediately so like hilarious, but also really relatable. And you're like, oh no, oh this writer, oh no. <laughs> right, and it's like it's funny too to like know that it's like you're getting negative self talk from somebody who is in this movie. I, I presume is like a, a successful screenwriter. Yeah, he's just done. Uh, he's he's like he's making uh, Charlie. You know. He's making Charlie Kaufman. He's making uh, <laughs> being John Malkovich right now. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's like that stuff never goes away. Like no matter how good you are and how much like proof there is that you're good at what you do. It's like, that's just kind of like the, yeah, the thing you have to just turn off in your brain because it just seems to be like, no matter who you are, if you're an artist, you're going to be like, just so critical of yourself. <laughs> it's so, so, so true. Oh my God. It's so true. It's like, you just won an Oscar. No, I'm horrible. I'm terrible. Yeah, at yeah it. you're like, it doesn't matter because of all these reasons that I came up with that, like, get me off the hook of having to feel good about it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Charlie Kaufman did a, a screenwriting um, uh, speech that I probably also brought up on here before, and it's on SoundCloud. And um, he talks about that kind of stuff and just a bunch of other things. And it's all just illuminating and amazing. Ooh, I definitely want to check that out. I think that's worth a look. I, I'll have to send that to you. I can find the link somewhere. I've never finished it because every time I start it and stop and like listen for five minutes, I'm like, oh, I have so much to process. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so good. That's good, though. Yeah, if there's so much going on, even in like the first five minutes of it, that means, yeah, he's, he has a lot to say, I guess. He really does. And he does it really well. Oh, it's great. Uh, just talking about people and essential like wounds and things like that oh it's awesome hmm. anyway those are all the things what do you think of this uh, adaptation what are your thoughts <laughs> um yeah i think i'm on board um nice. yeah i i would definitely want i mean i just like meta stuff and i if it's <laughs> done well you know and it's not too like huh get it <laughs> uh but this sounds this sounds fun and yeah, it sounds like situationally funny and um, I like the I like the, dy the dynamic of the brother just being like, yeah, I could be a screenwriter. <laughs> That's hilarious to me because like, I mom, mom said I should try it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it almost reminds me of like conversations you have like 
uh, with people who aren't like writers. Yes. And then they're like, oh, I, when they start to tell you about their ideas for stuff, (laughs) they're like, you should do that. You should make that an idea. And it's like, or you can, but you're not going to, because that's, you don't want to do this. So, so leave, leave, leave that out of it. Yeah, Um, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, that, that's, that's like a funny situation to me. The brother trying to be just like deciding he wants to be a screenwriter. Oh, it's so perfect. Um, and yeah, and the the whole uh, book adaptation thing and like the kind of like parallel between that and Meryl Streep's character and then this with Nicolas Cage seems interesting. So I'm like, I'm curious to see how that like uh, is stitched together. Oh, perfect. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm very glad we'll to hear watch. that. Ah, yes. awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what you think of it. Uh, audience, if you've seen Adaptation, let us know what you thought about it. Follow us on Facebook um, and also Twitter and possibly even Instagram. We'll see. Um, maybe by now the answer will be yes. Uh, and join the Facebook group. Tell us some other movies that we need to see. Uh, and then we will see them and then we will think about them and have thoughts and feelings and emotions and art will make us respond and make us feel seen, hopefully. Are there any recommendations you yes. have? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, my recommendation, I, uh, I've been going through old music, and I just Ooh. really, I just started listening again to uh, basically all of Ben Folds' discography. Awesome. And I freaking love Ben Folds, and I always like it's it's like he came up in a playlist. Uh, that I was listening to while I was doing my dishes. And then I was like, oh my God, Ben Folds. And then like, it's like one of those things where you just, it's like you hear a song from an artist you haven't heard in a long time. And then I just went back to and listened to everything that they've done. And yeah. Um, That's awesome. Big fan. Yeah. I saw him at Smith College once in Massachusetts. That's the only time I've enjoyed Ben Folds is uh, live performing. But um, yeah, I, he's one of those guys who I always liked and the band I always liked. And I never really did enough of a deep dive like I should have. I've just kind of had um, Adelaide on my phone forever. And Mm. Zach and Sarah. Yeah. Because they're both delightful. But aside from that, I haven't really, you know, heard any non-singles. Yeah, I think I really got into him when I was, like, learning. Well, I've, like, played piano for a long time. But I remember, I think, hearing... um, you don't know me the song with regina specter who i really oh, liked so a lot good. i love regina specter yeah so and i and i loved that song and it was like the music video was like tim and eric and so there was like all kinds of things and then i started really deep diving into ben folds after that and he's got like you know a lot of really like sad songs and really like good like ballads and then and then just like kind of just some fu- like casual funny songs too oh nice um, really yeah and i saw him I've seen him. I've seen him live a couple times, uh, and always on a great performance. Oh, that's yeah. so awesome! Yeah, he seems like he's a good talker. Yeah, and did Definitely. you did you see him on "You're the Worst"? Yeah, that was such a fun like stretch of being himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that was such a nice surprise. I watched that for the first time like last year, I think maybe. Yeah, I saw I know after it came out and it's it's kind of like a it feels like it came out a while ago. Oh yeah. Time is also You're crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I, I feel like I'm always catching up on like shows like 
after they've already ran their course. That's 2014. That's when it came out. So oh, yeah, wow. right. Is... Yeah, that's right. that sounds about right. Um, yeah, I I'm sort of doing that all the time now. I only watch things that have finished because it just feels easier <laughs> for me somehow. Yeah, I also yeah, I think there's part of me that's like. Uh, Maybe it's bad, but I'm like so used to binging things now, which is probably that's probably bad. Um, so I sometimes I think I think I like to watch shows after they've come out because I can just like get through them. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it, there's that feeling of finality, and you're like, cool, I got this off my list. I have something off my list that I don't have to worry about. Yes, so much definitely. Um, my recommendation for this for this show i should do regina specter too but instead i'm gonna stick with what i have uh along with some other music things i was thinking about but instead i'm gonna go with the kids in the hall documentary comedy punks which is on amazon prime in two parts Ooh, it is great uh as as people who have been on uh improv and sketch and etc teams uh everyone i know would like it very much because live comedy is very uh, much a, a part of that discussion. It follows the kids in the hall from their beginnings at like Second City in Canada or comedy sports in Canada or whatever, um, and all the way to to now in their sixties or whatever age they're all at as a as a still being a sketch team, which is just insane. Oh, I love it! Oh and, my gosh, I'm I'm in love with the new season. Yes! Oh, that makes me so happy to hear yeah oh, there's so some parts i didn't i didn't i wasn't on board at first but i'm i'm yeah. uh, i slowly i got there same i I'll, there were some parts that i'm just like why did they do that i you know i don't really care about this and other things where i was like why did they choose that kind of ending for it i feel like i feel like um i've grown as a as a sketch writer so much since like the mid 90s when i watched the original ones and i'm just like i think i'm different now but there are still things that work really well. Definitely. There was a lot of that. And then I think there was some, I, I had, uh, I felt like there were a lot of sketches, at least in the first uh, episode where they were like pointing out how old they were. And I was like, I was that like, was, no, we don't need to do that. That was tiring. Yeah. That was pretty tiring. Yeah. Yeah. So, but later on, once I got to the Shakespeare sketch, I was like, okay, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back on board. I'm so, yeah. It was so nice to see dark stuff from them. They did, they did dark so well. And that's what I realized. I was like, oh, that's why I love, that's why, I don't know if that's why I love them or if that's why I love dark comedy because of them. Hmm. One of those. <laughs> yeah. Long I mean, <laughs> probably, yeah, maybe both i guess i guess so i mean they really built my comedy bones so it's sort of tough to figure out what came first yeah like in the documentary they're like you learn that they like all had abusive alcoholic fathers and i was like well i didn't have one of those but i get why everything's so dark now (laughs) yeah no that's like that's really interesting and i I haven't seen the documentary yet but that's i almost did this episode on that documentary (laughs) oh that's a good one i thought about it but i was like nah i'd rather just people i'd rather just tell people to watch it and hope that they watch it yeah have you have have you done documentaries on here um that's a really good question honestly i uh personally i don't know if i have done any documentaries on this show um nothing comes to mind immediately but that's probably just because i haven't seen a lot of documentaries in general huh yeah i didn't know if they were just uh i was like oh i don't even know if i didn't even consider documentaries as or like doing them for the show but oh, that's like, like that opens game. up a whole lot 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, documentaries. Uh, Godzilla was a documentary, right? Godzilla. Yeah, that was a documentary of something that happened. Remember how a do- how how a giant lizard destroyed a city? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've I've put that in the past. You know, oh, I don't like to think sure. about it, but but you're right. Yeah, that. That was a real thing that happened. It's true. We have we have ha- we have covered a couple documentaries on here. I do remember when Encino Man happened. <laughs> yes, Encino Man was a real event. Uh, really <laughs> discovered a cave. They don't. That's another thing. You know, we've moved past, and then in the media, we're just on to the next news story. It's true. And Sunshine Cleaning was a documentary of you. <laughs> it was about me. Yes, um, I did clean up crime scenes for a while. Uh, <laughs> I was really bad at it. Uh, I think all these movies are in some way documentaries of us. It feels right. There's the metaphor. Oh, that was another thing about that movie that I was like, I thought was really funny over and over again. I was like, okay, it wasn't until the very end that they started wearing like hazmat kind of or like suits and like masks. And they kept going into houses without masks and gloves. And I was like, (laughs) what are you guys doing? You know what you're getting into. Like dangerous. Oh, no yeah so i thought that was funny that was so funny yeah the one documentary that i have seen just like flipping through the things that we've done um was the decline of western civilization that punk documentary uh yeah like four parts i still haven't watched it but i definitely want to at some point i gotta make that happen if only to bring the guest back but also because punk is great yeah punk is great the history of punk is awesome and really interesting oh seriously and that cbgb movie was not good so oh oh no what was that one uh they did a movie on cbgb but it was not documentary uh i think alan rickman was in it is this is this the one that i'm thinking of um was this like 24 hour party people and it has um the other guy in it uh, the other Alan comedy guy. Uh, let's one see. on like New Order or Joy Division or something. Oh, Steve maybe Coogan, yeah. Isn't it? I guess he's not an Alan. <laughs> no, but yes. Yeah, yes. this one was about that one was about Factory Records and Manchester's music scene. So I guess this is a totally mm-hmm. different film. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, this one has Alan Rickman, uh, and then. Yeah, I mean it's cool. It's it's like I feel like I liked it because it kind of still covered like the like the the history and the impact of CBGB, mm-hmm. but it was like pretty cheesy. Oh no, that's a bummer when that happens. Yeah. Blech. Well, people try sometimes, and they're just like, "All right, we do what we can." Yeah, I'm. Oh, and then there's a new. Uh, there's like a Sex Pistols show that's coming out, or is right. out maybe that I'm pretty excited to see yeah i'm really curious about how that one is gonna turn out i remember seeing some trailers and random stuff for it yeah on Uh, fx so it's fx pistol or something is the name something like that (laughs) yes (laughs) fx pistol it seemed like on the uh the the billboards that i saw for it they were trying to do that as a pun but i wasn't really sure what the real name was because of that (laughs) maybe it's right because it's like it's not Right, it's FX, not F, not Fex, so yeah. it doesn't quite work. <laughs> it's true, it's a good point. So it's like SX pistols. <laughs> Very futuristic at that point. Yes, um, that's what we call sex in the future, SX. Yeah, it's just faster. <laughs> I think that's yeah, what the Cronenberg movie is about. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> just... In Crimes of the Future, the crime of the future is sex, no yeah. sex allowed. And vowels are also a crime in the future, I've heard. <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, so it's plug time. If you have any plug plugs to plug. Um, I don't have plugs this time. No plugs. Fair enough. I think this is... When is this coming out? This is coming out... I think this is coming out during the third week of this month. So I I will probably be insane by the time this comes out. Yay! yay. Not yay. I'm very excited about that. Uh, so that week, I will have two shows... Um, I'll have dub set at the pack at 8 p.m. on Thursday, June 16th. Um, voiceover Improv. Our special guest will be uh, Jarrett Lennon Kaufman, who I believe played the voice of Eugene or one of the voices of Eugene on Hey Arnold. So hmm, cool. And he was also in a bunch of other cool things. He was like a child voice actor. Pretty dope. Wow. And yeah, Hey Arnold was one that I loved watching. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah. Oh. Stoop Kid. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, there was so much magic in that show. It was a delight. Mm-hmm. It had a, a very nice city feel to it. Yeah, and Arnold's apartment was like luxury apartment. Or his room was like a luxury room I, for some reason. I went on a first date with someone, uh, or I guess just a date with someone because there wasn't a second date. But I went on a date with someone and saw Pulp Fiction for the first time while eating Thai food. And her apartment was um, Tetris in a very Hey Arnold room way where everything Ooh. was like swivelable and fit into everything else. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. Oh, my God. Was the roof a giant uh, skylight? <laughs> oh, that would have been so cool. I think there were upstairs neighbors. It would have been tough. <laughs> yeah. Just see a bunch of them sitting there. See a bunch of their butts and chairs. Oh, that would be uh, a tough one. Um, yeah, but yeah, that was a good swivel of a swivel of a bull apartment, and I hope she's doing well. Yeah, that was on Valentine's. Um, I love doing dates on Valentine's first dates. I don't know why it's my favorite. Oh, yeah, yeah that seems uh, that gives me anxiety. Yeah, no one likes the idea of that, and then when it happens, it's always uh, it's always really nice. But oh, the concept good. of it is like too much for people, so I get it. I think I've done yeah. three to four first dates on Valentine's. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. You don't know how that happens. It seems fun. I mean, yeah, I feel like if you're, if, yeah, if two single people who are like, yeah, why not? Like, it does seem kind of like a why not because it's Valentine's Day. So. Yeah, that's kind of where seem I like always, it would be fun. That's where I always come at it from. And the alternative is just like feeling sad. So I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Being with a person during Valentine's, I'm in. <laughs> right. And on a date. Yeah, no less. Oh. Not just friends, too. It's like, oh, yeah, let's see. Well, let's see if there's something here. Yeah, exactly. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't think that happened for me this year, but maybe next year. Fingers crossed. Um, Fingers crossed. Thank you. My other thing that I'm plugging, Scene Kids Punk House Party, Folk Punk Edition, on June 18th, Saturday, at the pack at 11.59 p.m. So basically, basically midnight, but 11.59 to make sure people understand that it's on Saturday. Uh, we, have folk, mm. we have a folk punk band uh, called Dumpster Fire Orchestra. We have a um we have a fiddle player called wounded animal really excited about that we we have andre parada doing a, some kind of like comedy thing sarah jean robinson doing character sort of stand-up character stuff um and a bunch of other very funny people doing improv with us which i'm excited for that's exciting uh andres is great too he does oh. funny very funny characters i've never met him before but i heard that he's from tucson and we talked and i and everyone recommended him for this show so i was like hell yeah of course you should be in this 
He's yeah, he uh, hands. <laughs> he knows Fox bodies because he messaged me whenever that lineup when I posted that to Instagram. Oh, that's the best. Yeah, I was so happy to hear that. And he knew somebody that I met in. Uh, I was in Arizona briefly over uh, the pandemic. Yeah. And I ended up staying with one of his like childhood friends or like his I think was close with his brother or something. But Whoa. it was a weird like kind of small world thing. That's that, awesome. Um, yeah. It's wild. That is so funny. I love it. Yeah, good people. Everyone's connected. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it for my plugs. Um, just all of the shows in the world, uh, as usual. Yes. On the yes. on the 20th, I'm sure I will also have a show. Um, I don't know what the theme is. Probably scrapbooking. I think that's going to be um, crap, crash this scrapbooking party. Uh, at 7 p.m. on a Monday at the Clubhouse main stage. We already have most of the people booked for that, but not 100% just yet. I think we have Mind Reader from the pack. Ooh. For some good improv. We have um, Chelsea Pope doing a character. That'll be fun. Of, That's fun. She's yeah, great. Of TikTok fame. Always hilarious and great. We have uh, George K. Burns, George Burns uh, doing uh, doing stand up, which will be great. And one more act I'm trying to book. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Attempts. Yeah, it'll it'll happen. It'll happen. I it's hope gonna so. be good. I'm sure. I'll get. I'll end up with somebody for it. It'll be a delight no matter what. Yes. Oh, so uh audience if you're if you're ready to give us a five-star rating we are ready to receive one um if you'd like <laughs> to leave us a review we would appreciate it um i don't think we've gotten any reviews since uh since we got Breon. Bree's friends give us a review please my friends also give us a review we appreciate those yes please that's true i shouldn't pressure your friends that's not that's not a me job that's a you job i gotta pressure my friends <laughs> i'll pressure my friends Thank yeah come on friends work. come on friends our friends do <laughs> mutual, it mutual friends oh my god you two need to figure it out yeah the mutual ones it's real this is really on you yeah i don't know why i thought there were two of us well there gotta be more than two mutual friends that we have <laughs> oh i'm sure i'm sure there's 50 just with the pack people alone lord yes uh, if you leave a five-star review, we'll read it on the air um, and we'll we'll congratulate each other on doing such a great job for pressuring our friends. <laughs> yes, that's what we, yeah, we, that's what we really want to be acknowledged for. Yeah, exactly. We're not bad people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. The under the underbelly of this bit is that we're monsters. Um, yeah. Anyway, special thanks yeah, to our editor. We as pressure always. our friends. Thank you, Bree. Thank you for editing this episode. You're welcome. Awesome. And audience, thank you all so much for listening to You Need to See That. It's only right to think about the girl you love and hold her tight. So happy together. But I'm saying it's like I don't want to cram in sex or uh, guns or car chases, you know, or characters, you, you know, learning profound life lessons or growing or coming to like each other or overcoming obstacles to succeed in the end you know i mean it's it's the, the book isn't like that and and life isn't like that you know it just isn't and <clears throat> you know, I, f I feel very strongly about this <laughs>